0: If you would take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 28. We're going to look at the biblical text of the Great Commission just briefly this morning to get ourselves started. This is the Sunday we have made reference to as Vision Sunday, which uh, has certain expectations that come along with it. My goal is to give you a peek at the game plan for the next 10 or so years. And I hope that you leave with as much enthusiasm and excitement for what the future holds at Longview Point as I have in my heart this morning. I'm excited to share uh, these objectives, these goals, this game plan with you all here this morning. This is the third time in less than two years we will have looked at some length at the Great Commission. And I have no regrets for our repetition there. Uh, Recent studies suggest that American Christians, in a total of more than 50%, do not know the Great Commission, which is confounding to me. So I want you to know the Great Commission, and I want you to know that God has called each of us as members of the body of Christ to be participants in the unfolding of redemptive history, to go and take the good news of the gospel across the street and around the world. Furthermore, I want you to know that when we talk about vision and mission as a body, that is not a vision or mission necessarily exclusive to us. When you roll around in Vision Sundays, what's the verse that always comes to mind? Without vision, the people perish, which in the English sounds really good, but perhaps a closer rendering of that verse from Proverbs 29 goes like this. Without prophetic revelation, the people will run wild. What the writer of Proverbs is saying is that without a word from God, the people have no order, no direction, no structure, no strategy. And what I want to acknowledge on the front end of our time together is I do not have a new or fresh word from God, and no one else does either. But what I do have are the ancient words of Christ, inspired, inerrant, and infallible when we talk here this morning about vision and mission we're not talking about vision in the biblical sense what we're asking ourselves is this question how do we contextualize the great commission in other words how do we do practically what jesus has charged us to do in the very passage that we're going to be reading together this morning matthew chapter 28 beginning in verse number 16 let's stand together out of respect and honor for the reading of god's word The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of His word. You may be seated. The focal point of the Great Commission can be found in verse number 19. Not in the go or the therefore or even the all nations or the baptizing, even the Trinitarian formula, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the single verb rendered here, make disciples. In our English rendering of these verses, it appears there's a series of instructions or a series of verbs. Go, make disciples, teach, and baptize. But in reality, there is a central focus in the text itself. It is to make disciples. Our going is subject to making disciples. Our teaching is subordinate to making disciples. Our baptizing is subordinate to making disciples. The primary objective of the church of Jesus Christ is to make disciples. And again, the question for us this morning is how do we best carry this out within this local assembly? How can Longview Point Baptist Church best maximize its potential for kingdom advancement across the street And around the world. I have been saying to you since the very first day I came to serve as your pastor that the thing I found most enticing about coming to serve here as opposed to anywhere else was the notion of mobilizing the membership of Longview Point within the Mid South area with the gospel rich on our lips under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what it might begin to look like if every single member of Longview Point Baptist Church made it the rhythm of their life, not just occasionally, but every day to seek out and to share the message of the gospel with every lost person we could find? To not just make this one among many priorities in our life, but the singular priority of our life. To see to it that those around us, that the world around us, is saturated with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can do it. We can do it. So as we begin to pray about this day and think about direction and planning and focus, we begin to talk about things that we could control and things that we could not control. What we cannot control is the work of God's Holy Spirit. What we cannot control is the fruit of our labor. We sow and we water, but it's God in the end who must provide the increase. But what we can control is our faithfulness in answering obediently the call that Jesus has placed on our life to go and to share the gospel. And we've come up with this one primary objective. You ready? We've established a goal for ourselves as leadership and for us together as a body To share the gospel, to personally share kneecap to kneecap and eyeball to eyeball at the grocery store and at Walmart, at the ball field and the Friday night football game, within our workplace, at home, within our friends and our family, in our circles of influence, we've established a goal to personally share the gospel of Jesus Christ one million times in the next 10 years. Now, that's that's a big goal but at the same time, it's really remarkably modest when you begin to think about it in the grand scheme of things. There are nearly 1,500 members of Longview Point Baptist Church. If 1,000 of those members share the gospel just two times a week, 50 weeks a year, for the next 10 years, we will have exceeded that goal. Now, let me just acknowledge that I'm not the numbers guy, right? And really, I, I hope if if I hope we, you know we get to a million, we don't retire from evangelism, right? The goal here is not necessarily the number. The goal is enthusiasm, excitement, and accountability in sharing the message of the gospel. Now, in an effort to reach this goal, that's two-thirds of the population of the greater Memphis metro area. That's gospel saturation in the Mid-South. One million gospel shares in the next 10 years. In order to get to that, we've established some objectives. In fact, there are five that we're going to talk about this morning. I don't don't see adequate enthusiasm for one million gospel shares on your faces. Let's put this into perspective. (laughs) this has become for me an excuse to talk about the gospel with lost people. The other day I was talking to a guy, and we're friends, and I, I, I know he doesn't have at least a warm-hearted relationship with Jesus. And I said, let me tell you what we're about to do at church. And I just said, we're going to share the gospel a million times, and here's what that looks like. And then I shared the gospel. And he kind of looked at me, and he goes, is that, is that a big deal? And I, I said, well, let me, let me put this into perspective for you. If one percent of the 1 million people we share the gospel with, come to faith in Jesus. That's 10,000 new believers in the DeSoto County or Memphis metro area. And he looked at me, and he kind of raised an eyebrow, and he said, that's a big deal, Lanon." And I said, you're right, it is a big deal. There, there is no end to what God, we can't control what the outcomes will be, but I'm confident that we will reap if we will not quit. And there's provided for us some measures for encouragement and accountability. I'm going to show you in just a moment where we watch the number of gospel shares go up together as a body. Now, in order to get there, here are five things we got to do. Number one, we've got to have every member evangelism. We've been sort of wrestling back and forth as a pastoral staff about this language of evangelism team. You're hearing more about evangelism team. There's an evangelism team that goes out on Wednesday night, an evangelism team that goes out on Saturdays, and they're out and knocking on doors. And I've participated in some of those things, and they're wonderful things. And I would encourage you to participate, especially if you're a person who is reluctant about sharing your faith. Go and partner with someone who is not. And by the end of that hour of sharing the gospel, you will find your yourself stepping in front of them and availing yourself of the opportunity to share the message of the gospel with the person who stands before you but i hate listen i hate the language of an evangelism team now i don't know what else you'd call it they're they're trainers they're modeling they're encouragers and you you call it any number of things at the end of the day it's a team but here's what i hate about it it suggests that evangelism is like the special forces of the church Exclusive to this small network of men and women who are willing to go and tell we already have an evangelism team It's the membership role of the church in order to reach the kind of goals that we're talking about here We need every member of the body actively engaging the community around them with the message of the gospel Now, here's the deal. Even beyond that, we have to think strategically about sharing the gospel with our friends and neighbors. When we go on an international mission trip, we've been kept from that for an extended season because of COVID and travel restrictions. But when we go, and we cannot wait to go, we don't go to a place or a location because Pastor Jason, our missions pastor, is throwing darts at a map in his office back there or even primarily because we have a connection with missionary personnel in that area, we're going, connecting in with an already existing International Mission Board strategy. You understand? When we go somewhere, we're connecting to a strategy that's already been implemented, and they're utilizing us in a way that complements their strategy. But brothers and sisters, in DeSoto County, we are the International Mission Board. And we have to think strategically about reaching our neighborhoods, about reaching those around us in the workplace and at school. We have to think about saturating our community, our county, and this larger region with the message of the gospel and to think strategically in the process of doing that. You don't live where you live accidentally. God has placed you there with purpose, with intentionality. You don't work where you work accidentally. You are not related to the people you are related to, and you can't change it, unfortunate for some. God has placed you where you are in life for a defined purpose, and we've just read it in these verses. If you are here this morning as a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ, every step of your life has been marked, and God intends to see it maximized, that the world around you would know that Jesus Christ is king, that they too might treasure Christ in their heart, even as you've come to treasure him as the Lord of your life. You'll hear a fresh emphasis on evangelism in preaching, a fresh emphasis in evangelism in our worship service, I hope that the thing that dominates our conversation at the coffee bar and in the corner and before and after worship services and before the lesson begins in Connect is not our favorite sports teams or the hobbies and interests that we enjoy, but our sharing of testimonies and how God is at work in us and through us and what we watched the Lord do as we shared the message of the gospel with others that week. This has to be kept before us. It has to be kept before us. Now, just quickly, a couple of technologies that I think stand to be real helps, real encouragements in this area. One, if you'll take your smartphone out, if you have the Longview Point app, you'll notice that there's a new addition to the Longview Point app. On the front page, there's a button at the very top that says 1 million gospel shares, and it has the logo or the image of our vision logo there. You can just touch that. It takes you to a page that provides you with the ability to put in your name, to put in the name of the person that you just shared with, And there's a text box there where you can include any information that you would like to share. Take you less than 10 seconds to do that. If you leave today, and I hope you do, and you share the gospel with a waiter or a waitress, a friend or a relative or someone you cross paths with at the gas station, you punch that information in and it will automatically generate for our staff the ability to pray for that person or to follow up in any way that you might make a request for. In addition to that, there is a a technology that Trey Clinney is going to talk with you about next week called Bless Every Home, and we've connected with this. This is a national organization and technology that helps us to think strategically about winning and praying for our community. You'll go in and you'll register for Bless Every Home, and again, you'll hear more about this next week, and every day, you're going to have emailed to you the names of five of your neighbors with their address attached. Yes, that level of information exists out there. It's on public record, which is kind of creepy, but that's another discussion for another day. And you'll be able to indicate within that technology that you have prayed for them, that you have witnessed to them, that you're in the process of discipling them, that follow-up is needed for them, that that person is in need of baptism. You'll be able, with the touch of a button, to indicate where that home, those individuals are. And you'll be able to begin praying systematically and strategically for the people in your neighborhood. Again, God did not put you there accidentally. We, we have to think, we have to live strategically for the advancement of the gospel. So the Longview Point app is going to help us to track and be kept accountable with regards to our 1 million gospel shares. And as you go in, you'll note that there's a ticker at the top of that page, and we're going to be able to watch together as a congregation and be excited and enthusiastic at the incredible number of times that God's people are being faithful in communicating the gospel. And then within that, you're going to be able to think strategically about your community, your neighborhood, your friends and family through the Bless Every Home technology. And I'm excited for Trey to be able to share that with you on next Sunday. So every member evangelism, who's on? T- tell me, you can just, you can just answer w- with, with an I. Who's on the evangelism team? You are. You, that's where you say, I am, right? <laughs> who's on the evangelism team? That's ex- as followers of Christ, we are a part of sharing the message of the gospel. Here's, here's the second thing. Not only do we need every member evangelizing, we need every member serving. We've worked through, I have worked through since before I came to be your pastor, ways to try to make it easy for you to get connected and to be of service within the body and without. The addition of an assimilation pastor position I know was a strange thing in the years of some, but I gotta tell you, it's a decision that I'm well-pleased with. It's helping us to funnel people in the direction of service in a variety of different ways. Pastor Charles is always available to you to find your place of service and to get connected. You have to begin to regard your service Inside and outside the church, to other believers and unbelievers alike, as a means to the end of getting the message of the gospel out. Whether you get asked to do this grand task or something that you regard as as menial and insignificant, if somebody asks you to chaperone the youth lock-in, which is like the the third level of hell in the <laughs> inferno, right? You have to begin to regard that as a means to the end of making access to the gospel for young people and potentially even their parents. We can't have a scenario in which we are having to beg and plead with people serving in different areas of the church. There has to be a want and a willingness and earnestness to be a part of what God is doing. No matter what that act of service looks like, I just want to be where God is doing something great. We're going to continue to have table representation in the lobby and opportunities for you to sign up and to serve in various ways. But this morning, listen, if you don't have a way that you are serving on a consistent basis, and they're not always going to be within the context of the church assembled, many opportunities are going to be out. We don't have enough spots for everybody to serve in the context of the church assembled. But you ought to have some means for service, some place, some way, some ministry that you're actively involved in participating in service in some capacity every member of evangelism and every member serving every member of the body has been uniquely gifted and every member of the body has a special obligation to exercise those gifts for the advancement of the kingdom here's the third thing so, some of these by the way are not revolutionary for you right But there has to be fresh emphasis here. There has to be. There must be. Here's the third. We're shooting for in the next 10 years to get to a place where we are consistently at 80% of our worship attendance in connect group ministry. If you're new to us, connect is what we call small group ministry or Sunday school as some still can't resist calling it. I don't care what you call it as long as you're there, right? As long as you show up, I don't care if you call it Fred. Just be there. Connect Group Ministry is our primary pipeline for disciple-making. You are going to be underserved as a member of Longview Point if you are not involved in a Connect Group Ministry. You are going to be underserved as a member of Longview Point if you are not involved in a Connect Group Ministry. You need it. It's good for you, not just because there's fellowship there, but because that is our discipleship pipeline. That's where we train how to do the work of evangelism. That's where we train how to make disciples. That's where we guard ourselves against the attaining of information for the sake of information alone and ensure that that information has a transformational effect in our life. Now I'm always going to make sure, I'll make you this guarantee, this will be the case for as long as I'm your pastor until God kills me. I'm going to make sure that what you hear on Sunday morning or Wednesday night Bible study and Point Academy, many conferences, anytime I get to preach, I'm going to do everything I can within my human capacity to ensure that before you is stuff and substance, biblically solid teaching. You're going to be fed if, if I have anything to do with it. I, I, I feel a special charge to do that. But what I hope that provides for you within Connect Ministry is a sense of freedom to back away from the rigors of Bible study and to begin to actively hold one another accountable in acting on what you have learned from God's Word. Now, I'm not saying that you ever get too much Bible study, but at the same time, you can never get too much evangelism. And the problem with so much Bible Belt Christianity is not that we don't have access to the information. The problem is that we're not doing what God has so clearly instructed us to do. Now, I would challenge you, if you really want to grow in grace, if you want to sense your heart warmed for the gospel and to draw near to God, there are few things I know of that you can do that are more pressing or more important than to communicate the message of the gospel with those around you. One of our wednesday night connect groups has already made the decision to take one week a month and to join with the wednesday night evangelism team and to go out and to practice what they're being instructed in their wednesdays in their wednesday night connect groups may their tribe increase a a considerable part of connect group involvement ought to be the expectation and accountability For being active at sharing one's faith and participating in the life of the body and serving in a variety of capacities follow the lead of that group if you're not a part of a connect group ministry make sure that you're finding one any and all of our pastors would delight in the opportunity to help you to get connected there you must get connected to connect so that's kind of the first tier right and these are some foundational elements. Every member evangelism, every member serving, 80% plus in Connect, actively involved in the life of the church, actively engaging the lost world around us. But, but within that, if those things come to bear, we recognize that that's going to generate or create some other needs. So this is sort of a, a next level. I'm really excited about number four. Should I just hold the pause and let you wait? Here it is. We've set a goal as pastors that we as a body would plant 30 churches by the year 2030. That's roughly three new church plants a year. Now, if you've not been around long, Longview Point is a church plant, about 18-year-old church plant, and has been a part of church planting for quite some time. And we want to plant churches the way we were planted as a church, churches that plant Churches. And so we've sort of upped the ante a bit here. Three a year is is doable. We're on pace to do that even this year. James Cheatham has officially launched this year at Grace Point Church in Greenwood. Brian Hood is looking at a late 21 or early 22 launch with Community Point here in Hernando. And although you've not met him yet, we have a church planner who's going through North American Mission Board assessment in September that I would suspect will be our next church planner. That gives us three in the year. We need roughly three a year to be at a pace that allows for us to plant 30 churches in the next 10 years. Now here's the big hope and dream. The big hope and dream is that by the time we get to year four, five, six, and seven, that those church planters are still out there in the harvest. In other words, while we're meeting here this morning, they're lost and without Jesus. But because you have resolved in your heart to go and to share the gospel, they heard the message, believed, and were born again. God raised them up and called them out to go and to pastor, to shepherd, to lead, to plant in the very ways that we're dreaming about here this morning. This is, this is an attainable goal for us as a body. Now begin to think about the impact of that. If the expectation is that those churches plant churches, what does that number? And we're not talking about 30 churches in total. We're talking about 30 second-generation churches. In other words, 30 churches that are planted directly from us, not scratching off and counting what those churches themselves plant. Now, if they were to set the modest goal of just three churches a year for those churches, what does that begin to look like? The focal places for us, the points of focus for us are Memphis and Mississippi, primarily because no one else is interested in Memphis or Mississippi. You've witnessed, I've experienced this phenomenon of Christians running away from the Memphis metro area, and practically, I suppose I get it, but is not not it, isn't it? just like jesus to run to the people that everyone else runs away from and nobody's interested in mississippi we're 50th on all the list except for fatness you know <laughs> we win when it comes to that but i'm i'm telling you in spite of the presence of a strong cultural christianity there is a deep dark and desperate need for the message of the gospel here in the buckle of the Bible belt. So we hope to make this our point of focus, the place of great focus over the next 10 years. I'm really excited about what that's going to look like. Really, really excited about what that's going to look like. Here's the last thing before I introduce it. This is the kind of thing that has a certain allure because we're able to touch it and feel it and look at it and think about its benefits to us personally but there's a reason this is the fifth on the list and not the first because it is not a first importance it is in my estimation a necessary evil but it has become a necessity for us there were two things to promises at least implied last year when i asked you to retire the debt that we had at that time one was that we were going to do expanded ministry and that's already represented in the current year's budget we made those expansions in anticipation of you retiring that debt and you were faithful to do it so we freed up resources to be able to do ministry at levels we had until now not been able to do but in addition to that was that we would do a certain level of planning that would alleviate the need to be in debt in the future. Now it may not have been stated that plainly, but at least it was by implication a suggestion. So the fifth and final fate or objective of this overall goal, this game plan is to meet the facility needs necessary in order to achieve the objectives that we've already mentioned. In other words, we need a little space if we're going to have every member evangelism, 80% connect participation, and every member serving. We're going to even need a little space in order to train and to send out 30 new church plants and to handle all of the administrative responsibilities that come along with that. We're going to meet the facility needs that we forecast ourselves as having over the next 10 years, and God willing, we're going to do it without incurring any debt. Now, I'm going to show you in just the next couple of minutes what the general plan is. but I I want you to know that each of these phases is dependent upon your approval as a congregation. There's a reason this is sort of conceptual at this point and not into the nitty-gritty brass tacks of what everything is going to look like specifically in every room here, every room. That's not the point this morning. The point is acknowledging where the needs exist and forecasting financially, so that we're able to address those needs as they arise. In some cases, those needs are already existing. In other cases, they're pretty easy to forecast because they're like a week away, right? So we've divided the future facility needs into three phases, here they are. What you see in the first slide is our current building that's what we look at right now and I recognize that these are somewhat small for you to be able to see but there are four boards that represent the current building and each phase in the uh, main entrance and exit to the worship center that you'll be able to see when you go out this morning they were not there when you came in but you'll be able to see them when you go out that's what it looks like now are you ready for phase one here we go phase one the light blue or purple Light purple is the existing building. The dark purple is what would be added. You'll also notice that in phase one, there is a new entrance and parking that comes off of Mackinvale and loops around the lakeside coming out the back parking lot. That new addition would include space for our youth to be able to meet. In all likelihood, high school ministry in the upstairs, junior high in the downstairs, and it would provide for us some additional administrative space. We are on top of one another in the office right now, which is fine for us, but I fear in the future someone may get bitten we're going to need a little more space there, right? That's phase one. Now I'm going to, for the most part, just to put into perspective the size of that building, it is within a couple of hundred feet of the same square footage as our current preschool and children's building. So that gives you an idea of the size that we're dealing with there. Now let me give you an idea of what we're dealing with in terms of of, uh, numbers financially on phase one. The cost, the estimate that we have from the architect firm at this point, which is not a bid, it's not precise. This, they would say this is ballpark. It's 2.85 million dollars. So I'm going to suggest to you that we think in terms of a range of somewhere between 2.85 and 3.25 million dollars. Now, when this whole the whole thing started, almost two years ago now, my goal budget was 1.5 million, and then COVID happened. And everything cost twice what it cost two years ago. And so I'm hopeful that over the course of time, we'll see the markets kind of come back down to earth and some prices adjust and all of that. But we, need to, we might as well go ahead and be thinking in terms of somewhere at roughly $3 million for phase one. Now, the question is, when do we build it? Well, you get to decide. You get to decide because we'll build it when we have the money to build it. I've been saying, and this will be my language, and I'll explain what I mean here, we will build it when we are within budget range of being able to pay for it. Now, what I mean by that is this, and I'll just tell you now, CLT knows it already, I'm going to ask for at least a half million dollars in next year's budget to go toward future facility needs. It's 300000 this year, and I'm going to ask for more next year. So let's say in January of next year, we have $2.5 million in the bank, And it's a three million dollar project well that project's going to take 12 to 18 months probably more like 18 months i'm going to say at that point we're within budget range and we're ready to start turning some dirt all of that contingent upon your approval obviously as a congregation but that's how i intend to manage these projects along the way we will do them as we can afford to do them. Now, the reason I wanted to get that number before you this morning is because we now have an open door. There is opportunity for you if you would choose to do so to begin to give in that direction so that we can see these phases begin to come to completion. And already some from within our body have been remarkably faithful in this way. We have roughly three quarters of a million dollars accounted for already through budget funds and your generosity and giving toward this project. And we didn't even know what the project was at that point. So we are making our way. We are pressing toward a number that allows us to begin to break ground. Now, there's a lot of work to be done here. A building design has to be done. Your approval as a congregation has to be received. But that is phase one from my perspective moving forward. Phase two would be the addition of a children's and preschool building expansion. That would basically double the size of the children's and preschool building. Now, if you'll think about that, we're in pretty good shape right now in terms of children's space. We are in pretty good shape. There's some limitations with the point Day School, and there are limitations with the smaller baby ages, age ranges. They require a little more space. There's a little more room that could be used there. But for the most part, we're in a pretty decent space. However, that will change drastically when phase three comes along. Phase three would be the construction of a new worship center. You'll see it there on the slide, which would be multi-purpose. It would be like unto the worship center that you're seated in in now, if I can spit it out, except that there'd be 1,800 seats there, which would double our capacity, which would, in theory, double the number of children that we'd be having on Sunday morning generating the need for that children's education space. Now, i got to tell you, 90% of guys would say, let's jump out there and build a worship center, and I suspect there are probably people here saying, why don't we build a worship center? A couple of things I want to say about that. I I will never be a part of building a cruise ship, you know, something that's tailored to meet our comforts. I'm I'm, I'm not about all that. I'm just not about all that. So that's one. The second thing is I've watched this phenomenon over the course of time and folks try to get excited and it's the idea of a big crowd of people that sort of woos them in, it draws them in and they go out there and they build this monstrosity and it becomes a financial albatross around their neck while they don't have the attending facility to minister to the people within the albatross and within a decade or two it all folds. You have to build attending ministry space before you can build worship center space. And the good news is I'm young and spry and full of vigor, and I can preach five services on Sunday if I need to. Getting younger all the time. So these are the three phases, and we'll make every effort to be efficient financially, to be modest in our approach to these three phases, but I really believe that within a span of 10 years we can see these projects come to completion. We can have all the square footage and all all of the physical things that we could ever hope or imagine to have in order to be able to best maximize our capacity for making disciples across the street and around the world. And after all, that is the primary focus, right? So the last thing I want to happen this morning is for you to leave talking about phase one, two, or three, or building plans down the road. I got to tell you, if there's anything about this plan that disinterests me, it's building. I I come from a construction background. I'm just not enamored anymore. It can can come and it can go, and it can come and go in a heartbeat. 10,000 years from now, this building will not be a thought in our mind, nor will the building that we've imagined here this morning. But I tell you what will last. I tell you what will make a difference in eternity. A firm, warm-hearted commitment to do everything within our power to make disciples right here in our community, to see Hernando, DeSoto County, the Memphis Metro, Mississippi, and West Tennessee shaped powerfully by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, don't you want to be a part of that? i got to tell you, I've spent some late nights just daydreaming about what God might do, and it's, it's really incredible. And I want to be careful that we're not presumptuous. We, we should not say, tomorrow I will do this or that. Rather, if the Lord wills. But oh, don't you pray that he'd be pleased to grant it. Why would we do, why would we do something like this? Because 2,000 years ago, God sent his only son. Jesus lived without sin. he he didn't count equality with God as robbery or something that he didn't deserve, but would lay that aside in some respects and take the form of a servant. Dwell among us. Lay down his life. Give himself over even to the point of death. Jesus died as my substitute. Three days later, he rose again. We do it because Jesus lives, because Jesus lives. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is as alive today as he was Easter Sunday. Now, I I hope it is my most earnest prayer that you would leave this morning so excited about being a part of a big, bold, great vision and mission that Jesus has called us to, that you'd be snatching people down between here and home to tell them about what Jesus has done in your life. Would you join me in praying toward that end? God, I I pray that what you've begun in our hearts this morning would not quickly fade. I pray that the reports, the testimonies of our engagement in evangelism and how you're going before us and calling others to yourself, Lord, would serve to fan the flame. I, I pray that our excitement would grow all the more, Lord, that we would hold loosely the things of this world and be willing to make sacrifices of our time, our talent, and our treasure to see this come to pass, God. I pray that you'll help us to keep the right focus. Lord, if there's anything about our discussion this morning that scares me, it is the potential for losing focus. So help us, Lord, to keep the main thing the main thing. And may Jesus alone receive the glory in Christ's name. Amen.